Father, we thank you for the service that we've had thus far this morning, for the fellowship, for the family of God, being able to come together on the Lord's Day to encourage one another, to share in each other's lives, to pray for one another. But Father, we would uh, certainly be amiss if we did not do the most important thing today, and that's make Christ known. Father, we pray for Ken, because we know that uh, ultimately he's going to be healed, one way or another. We thank you for the faithfulness of Christ in our lives. We thank you for the faithfulness of Christ in Ken's life. And Father, we pray that you would, that you would heal him of this affliction, that he would be able to return to his home and to the fellowship of the body of believers here. But Father, to make Christ known, I pray that we're able to set everything else aside for just a moment. The burdens, the cares, the concerns, the worries, the plans that we may be formulating even now. And just take these closing moments to think about Christ. To know him, to make him known. And it is in his name and for his glory that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing our uh, Prayers of Jesus series. And by the way, the children have already, they're in, in children's church right now, so we didn't have a children's sermon this morning. But uh, we will, uh, of course, return and have that next week. The Prayers of Jesus series has become a great personal journey for me. Uh, the text that was previously, these, these texts of his prayers uh, just kind of rolled into the rest of the reading as I would do my Bible study, uh, have, have suddenly come alive and, 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 and created a life of their own. I always, uh, 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 you know, want to emphasize as we're going through this, the importance of connecting with the intimacy of, of the relationship that Christ had with the Father. It should bring us closer to the man Jesus without compromising his deity as our Savior. So let's join in our Lord and Savior's dialogue at a very sad place, at a place of sorrow, a place of mourning, where a good friend of his has passed away. And the one thing that I would like us to, to realize here maybe and just think about the Lord really knows how to break up a good, a good funeral service, doesn't he? It reminds me of the funeral director who was preparing for a funeral. It was a cloudy and rainy day. And the funeral director had to go up this pretty good grade to get to the cemetery to conduct the graveside service. And when he had parked the coach, the hearse at the top of the hill, he got out to remove the casket and the hearse started to roll back down the hill. Well, pretty soon the hearse hit a tree and the coffin slid out of the hearse and continued its journey down the slippery slope. The funeral director in a panic ran and ran and ran and pretty soon he was able to jump a straddle of the coffin. And just about that time the coffin jumped the curb across the street right into the front window of a pharmacy and on his way by the pharmacist, the man yelled, do you have anything that will stop this coffin?
And guess what? We're going to segue right into the scripture reading. Would you stand, please? We're about to read together the Word of God. And as we do so, remember, God is speaking to us in these words. John chapter 11, we're going to enter the text at verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him. And let him go. Father, we pray that your blessing would be upon the reading of your word. And these truths would be etched into our hearts that we would lay hold of these great truths. As we look at the resurrection and the life. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. A little background, in chapters 8, 9, and 10, the Lord has well established his deity as the Son of God, and being one with the Father, or better stated, he and the Father are one. Now in chapter 11, Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus is ill, but rather than immediately rushing to Bethany... And to be with Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, and we know they had a very good friendship. Jesus has spent time in their home. Jesus delays. And this is important, but why? Why did Jesus delay when, a, when someone had come with such urgent news, urgent request? In verses 4 through 6, chapter 11. But when Jesus heard it, he said... This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Wow. So the question that we should have, and rightly so, not knowing the end of the story, this is hard, this is hard, is why? Why? I got another thing I want to show you this morning. Let me, uh, what did I do with that? I want to talk about delays. Now, I, I realize we're getting a little bit lighthearted here, but, but I, want, I want to show you this. This is a shipment tracking for something I ordered. It starts down here in Houston. 
and we get to Olathe, Kansas, right there, 50 miles. But I haven't gotten it yet. Because from Olathe, it went to Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Indiana, New York, New York, New York, New York, New Jersey, New Jersey, Ohio, Missouri. It's in Topeka right now. But the warranty's already expired. <laughs> this is serious. This, this, that, that's it. Now, that's a little trivial compared to Jesus waiting, delaying on getting to Lazarus. But I thought it was interesting. A few verses after the verses we just read, Jesus suddenly announces the death of Lazarus. And listen to what he says, verses 14 and 15. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let's go to him. Wow. The first two points of our sermon outline, the plan and the purpose of the Lord. And if I would have been there not knowing how it all would end, I certainly would have presented a different plan. But our first point of consideration is the Lord had a plan. The Lord has a plan. And brothers and sisters, friends, I want you to know that, and that's something we must all cling to, no matter how confusing the situation may be, no matter how, how, how hopeless it may appear, God has a plan. He has a plan, and it will always be for our good and his glory. And I can assure you there are times in life during great loss when that's hard to see. That's very difficult to see, but hang on. And as I've said many times, when you get tired and when you get weary and your grip begins to lose its power, that's okay because God ain't going to let go of you. Don't tie another knot in the end of the rope. Let go of the rope and let God have you. Jesus deeply moved as he arrives at the scene. He came to the tomb and there was a stone laid against the opening. And he says, take away the stone. You know, earlier, we know that the Lord's compassion and love had been clearly demonstrated as he wept with the other mourners in verse 36. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. So this, this occasion now would have been particularly troubling to the disciples after knowing Jesus had intentionally delayed the instructions of Jesus take away the stone created a multitude of problems. A lack of understanding, confusion. For the resurrection to occur, Jesus wants to remove the obstacle that's blocking the tomb. Stay with me on this, please. The question is then, what kind of spiritual stone is in the way of your spiritual resurrection? What stone is blocking the way? for you to step out in freedom. Why do you think Jesus commands others? He could have taken away the stone. He could, just like at his own crucifixion, he could have called 10,000 angels. They'll take care of everything. No, he says you. Folks, that takes belief. 
If you were standing there and you had been with this family for four days now, because a period of mourning lasted a considerable amount of time, you had been there. You know when Lazarus was put in that, in that tomb. You remember seeing the stone rolled over the opening. And now he wants, that, he wants me to go roll that stone away? Uh-uh. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Removing a stone at all was against the custom of the Jews. It was actually forbidden. And on the fourth day, as graphic as it may sound, decomposition was significant. Decay had started. The NIV says a bad odor, and the King James says, he stinketh. Folks, that's just what the word says. Now, I want us to, to bear up under some of these graphic descriptions because it's going to tie in to the significance of this miracle. I want you to know, first of all, that dead is dead. There are no degrees of death. When we die, we are physically dead. But as Christians, remember what Jesus has said earlier in this text, even though we die, we shall live. We shall live. Because a Christian never really dies. But folks, this body is going to return to dust. So this is where we're at in the text. I'm also reminded of a story that was told a few years ago. A deceased person received a letter from the Department of Social Services and it read, your Social Security checks will be stopped in March because we received the notice that you had passed away. You may reapply if there's any change in your circumstances. <laughs> Folks, we don't want to dwell on death, I assure you. I've been around it too much in years of ministry. But we do have to understand the reality of what it is. That ever since sin entered the world in a place called Eden, this thing called death has pursued man from the moment he's given life. And if the Lord does not return First, we will all meet its fate. But the hope is death cannot hold us. The grave cannot hold us. We, in Christ, have defeated both death and the grave. Martha's response. Why did Martha protest the opening of the grave? Well, Martha wasn't expecting such a miracle. Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Martha was guardian of the remains and protested. Imagine the questions in Martha's mind. This almost seems cruel, almost seems cruel to open the grave at this point. Bodies were meticulously prepared for burial. Martha and Mary would have helped carefully wrap their brother in the burial clothes. They would have applied the oils and the spices to his body and added the perfumes to the wrappings. A special cloth would have been placed over his face and tied underneath his chin. All these were acts of love and care and compassion. 
for the proper burial of their brother. And now you want me to remove the stone. Folks, be there in the moment. Be there in the moment. And believe the Lord has a plan. The grave is sealed. And the Lord wants to open it. Second point, very quickly, the Lord has a purpose. He has a purpose in all of this. He doesn't do anything randomly. It all has a purpose. It is for the revelation of God's glory. And let us be reminded once again, for even our own salvation, the fact that God saves us is for his glory. The benefits are we get to go to heaven. The purpose is for the glory of God. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that you, if you believed, you would see the glory of God? This is so important. This is essential in times of doubt, in times when we wonder where God is and what he's doing. Believe. Believe. You are about to witness the glory of God. You don't know how it will come or what will happen next, but the Lord never does anything that will not eventually bring glory to his name. The Lord saves us by rolling away the stones we hide behind, revealing the death and decay in our own heart so that he can bring new life and new hope into our souls. Now, right in the middle of this tense, emotional, and confusing moment, what does Jesus do? Here we go. The Lord has a prayer. The Lord has a prayer. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Two key points in his prayer, reassurance from the Father and the reason for the request. What a beautiful prayer. And notice what he does. He refers to God as Father. We see this at least three times in chapter 17 of John. And also there is an assumption, Father, I thank you that you have already heard me. That Jesus already asked for Lazarus' life to be restored. All he has to do is give thanks to the Father for the answer. That's faith. God, I don't know what you're going to do in my life. I don't know what you're going to do in this situation but I'm giving it over to you and I'm giving you thanks right now for the answer I'm going to receive. I don't know what it is. I don't know when it'll come, but I'm thanking you because I know you hear me and I know you act. Father, help. Help. I need your help. The prayer is to draw others to the intimacy of Jesus and the Father. The prayer demonstrates Jesus does not do anything by himself. And remember, we can do nothing apart from him. Jesus publicly prayed to show he was commissioned by God. It is a reminder of the constant fellowship that Jesus had with God the Father as he is God the Son. And it is a reminder of the confidence that Jesus had with God the Father. Jesus also shows somewhat of a customer style with his prayer. He gave this prayer with the public in mind. When we are given opportunities to pray publicly, I would encourage you to be mindful of those presents and pray in a way that draws them closer to the Lord, not in your endless words. 
our prayer should always point others to Christ. Jesus shows the encouragement of prayer, that through Christ, God hears our prayers. The Bible teaches us that our sins separate us from God, and he will not hear our prayers. But your iniquities, the prophet wrote, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. However, through Jesus, God hears our prayers because Jesus intercedes for us. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Guess who's praying for you right now? And he may be praying for you for a need that you're not even aware of yet. But he is our great high priest sitting at the right hand of Father and glory, interceding on behalf of the saints. How can we go wrong, folks? How can we fail when Christ himself is praying for us to stand and live? The Lord has a plan. The Lord has a purpose. The Lord has a prayer. And moving quickly to the end, the Lord has the power. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Resurrection power has been released. Because of a voice thundering in the realm of the dead. The voice of life thunders through a cemetery, a graveyard. But let us be reminded that it's the same voice that Genesis 1 says he called what isn't into being. He created out of nothing. He spoke and the stars were hung in their place. He spoke and the universe took order. He spoke and all things were created. He is the word. He is the word of God. He is the living God. He is the word becoming flesh. He is Christ the King, Lord over all. Amen. The voice of the King of kings, the Lord of lords is heard. Not for the first time, and it will not be the last. In John 5, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. John 5, 28 and 29, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Very soon, Jesus would cry out, even in his earthly ministry, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, this is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The cries of the same Lord of life now cries to the Father for compassion. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. But this is not the end. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. 
For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. There he is again. Busting up a good funeral. With the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Listen, God's son spoke in eternity past and he's still talking in eternity future. And his words are true and just and right. And his words have life. The dead responds, the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with linen cloth. Lazarus bounds from the tomb. Now I want you to picture this, please. Again, a bit graphic, but it's, 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 it's reality of the moment. He comes and he would have had to have shuffled to the opening of the tomb. Why? He's still wrapped in grave clothes. And these, band, these, these wrappings are very, very tight from toe, from, from head to toe, literally. The facial cloth would have still been over. He wouldn't have had a chance to remove the facial cloth. And it tells us he's still wearing it. So here's, here's Lazarus after four days in the tomb, standing there in the opening. What are you going to do? What's your first reaction? Come on, be honest. Run! <laughs> How this mummy-like Lazarus moved to the door of the cave, we're not sure. Because John tells us his hand and his feet were bound. If they were bound individually, it would have hindered his movement. If they were bound together, it would have required God's power to prop him up. But he's standing there. Lazarus has a new lease on life, a new start, a new birth, new life coursing through his veins, new power, new potential. And he's standing there in grave clothes. Old Lazarus might be fashionably dressed for the corpses, but he's not dressed for the land of the living yet. I love one pastor. I was reading some notes on this sermon, on this text. One pastor said, it's time to shed the dead threads. But I want to begin with personal application at this point to bring this all together. Have you heard this same voice? Have you ever heard the Savior calling? Have you heard him calling you out of the darkness? Have you heard him calling him out of the tomb, out of this place of death and decay? Last week, the Lord invited us to come to him. If we're weak, weary, heavy laden, and he would give us rest. Now he's commanding us to come out, come out and live. Imagine this morning standing there in the opening of the tomb, but there's one more thing left to do. And this is where many believers get stuck. The grave clothes got to come off. You see, my friends, the grave clothes represent our past. They represent our sins. They represent death and decay, which is all there is apart from Christ. 
Our past life is caught up in those grave clothes. Our sins, our mistakes, our errors, our tragedies, our sorrows, our griefs are all caught up in the grave clothes. And no amount of spices and no amount of perfumes and no amount of special preparation can do anything about it. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can save us from the death and decay. In a spiritual sense, I would ask, are you still wearing grave clothes? Maybe you've heard the Savior's call. Maybe you've stepped out. But are you still wearing attitudes and habits, perspectives that restrict your freedom? Are you bound by certain emotions or passions? Do you get entangled in certain sins? Do you not feel to be the, the person that Jesus wants you to be? The problem could be grave clothes. A side note just hit me. It's, uh, it, 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 I'm sorry, it's one of those squirrel moments. And, and, and again, not a criticism, just a, kind of a, a, a simple observance. Uh, interesting, interesting note. Queen Elizabeth's coffin weighed 550 pounds. That's why it required eight people to carry it rather than the traditional six. Because it's lined with lead. A custom started centuries ago with the kings of England. It's lined with lead because lead is a moisture and air barrier. And it prolongs decay. Remember? Dead is dead, but decay does have decrees. It does have degrees. And unconfessed sins and unforgiveness, as Brian so beautifully explained in our communion meditation, are both forms of decay. Decay. Will you find the grave clothes in your life this morning? Will you identify the issues that have kept you from living the life of freedom, the abundant life that Christ offers us? Lazarus was alive, but he was handcuffed. He was alive, but he couldn't enjoy his new life and its freedom. He was restricted by these bands of cloth. If Jesus hadn't commanded the onlooker, onlookers to loosen him, I... I I don't know how long it's taken the old boy to get free. Grave clothes covered his hands, his feet, his face. And they will cover the same three areas in our lives. They will cover our hands. They will restrict our reach and keep us from grabbing hold of God's blessings. They'll cover our feet. They will hinder our walk with the Lord and the practical application of our faith. They will cover our face. They will keep us blinded and our mouth shut when it should be us sharing our faith and seeing the lost. Grave clothes over our hands, our feet, our face keep us from stretching out and stepping out and speaking out. So there's one question after Jesus' little prayer tucked away in the middle of this amazing event. Are you dead or alive? 
And if you're alive, are there some dead threads you need to shed? Are there some dead threads you need to shed? Everyone is dressed in one of two ways. They're either dressed in grave clothes or the robe of righteousness, which only Christ can give. Let's go to just a moment of quietness where we invite the Holy Spirit to do the physical. And if you at this point would come in the name of Christ and say, please, please examine me. (laughs) Please check my pulse. See if first I may be alive. And secondly, is there some death still hanging on me that I need to get rid of? So just in, in quiet, personal meditation for just a couple of moments, please. Oh, precious Jesus, prior to our focus text this morning, earlier, you had a conversation with Martha. You assured her that you was the resurrection and the life. You have also told us that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. Those are your words, Lord. We believe them. They are true. They are right. They are just. So, Father, we present that to this assembly this morning. And only the Holy Spirit knows the condition of a man, of any person here. Only the Holy Spirit truly knows. And if there be one that doesn't know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray, O God, for the glory of yourself and your Son, that they be called out of darkness and into your glorious and wonderful light. But there may be someone here who is hurting. They're hurting. They're carrying grave clothes from the past. And they simply want to be free. Whatever you would like to do, we'd certainly be privileged to be a part of it.